in three, two, one. Looking to grow your influence and your visibility? Whether you're an entrepreneur, small business, association, or corporation, if you're looking to attract leads, build your brand, and click with crowds using social media, content marketing, and PR, then you're going to enjoy my conversation with an international trend speaker, coach, and host of the podcast, Growing Social Now, Barbara Rosgonian. Well, hi, Barbara. Welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you, Michael. Now, where are we talking to you from? Where are you today? I am in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, you just moved there. You're normally a Chicago or Illinois girl, aren't you? I am. I'm working on converting from being a Chicagoan to a Charlottean. And yes, so this is all new to me, but I have to say it's a wonderful town and it's really nice to do something fresh and different. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, hey, well, we're glad to have you and let's get right into it. Let's talk for a moment as we lay the foundation for today's conversation about your journey into this field, because you've certainly seen it evolve since it all started. Now, you've been at this gig for about 20 years now, and I believe you started your career with Sears Roebuck and Company in internal communications. How did you identify the trend or the opportunity to get into social media as it was evolving? And was it a leap of faith for you or were you pretty certain this was a good direction to go? Well, that's a great question because when I decided social media would be something I would be interested in, everyone thought I was out there. And so I've always said I'm an alien who's waiting for my spaceship to come in because I have always wanted to be online. And I remember in the late 90s, somebody said, what do you want? I said, I want the internet to be on all the time and I want to be able to use it. And they looked at me like that'll never happen. I've always been a pioneer and a futurist who always wants to see what's new, which is exciting. But when you're out there on the frontier on your own, you're pretty lonely. So I do feel like now I'm an alien whose spaceship has come in because everyone is on social media. So I could see as a communicator that it was going to be big, but I never thought it would be this big. Now you made the leap and did you start working for yourself immediately or did you go to work for some of the firms using your communication and PR skills? How did that evolve? Well, actually what happened is, and you don't see it on LinkedIn, is I was a national sales trainer and I have a sales career that goes back even before my LinkedIn profile. It's a lot to convey on one little page, but just to give you in a nutshell, I started out in sales. I was the worst salesperson in the world, in the company. I tried to resign. My boss said, oh, you know what? You just need a new territory. And he moved me from Indianapolis to Chicago, which is where my boyfriend was. And I really wanted to quit, but I didn't have any other way to make money. So I said, all right. So I stayed with the company and I wound up leading the company, winning a trip to Hawaii, marrying my boyfriend and going to work for a company owned by Blue Cross and Blue Shield, where I became the national sales trainer for Blue Cross and Blue Shield plans around the country and increased their sales by up to 400%. Very fun, except when you have kids, and I know you have them, you do not want to be gone 40 to 50% of the time, which is what my job required. So I resigned and went through career counseling. They said, you should be a florist or a writer. So I have written garden articles, but I decided I would become a corporate writer specializing in sales. And the company I left became a client. And so I founded a company called Corey West, named after my mother and grandmother, so I could keep them in my life every day. Oh, nice. And I like the combination with sales and marketing. I've always believed that that should be under one roof, one silo, one executive is responsible for both channels. Because often marketing has its own perspective 
and then all of a sudden they give it to sales. And if the campaign falls flat, sales blames marketing, marketing blames sales. So that way we have accountability right. in one place, right? Well, it's good. Exactly. Well, I know in your work, you specialize in trends and frameworks and best practices. Let's talk a little about all of them. Let's talk about trends. What trends are you seeing? Because you've seen it evolve. And it seems like today in social media, there's always new trends. There's new policies, there's new ways of doing things, new platforms that are coming online. And it's hard to keep up, to be honest. I'm kind of a late bloomer when it comes to getting on social media. And I've always used a, our traditional approach and referrals. But now we're starting to see how that magic really works. What trends are you seeing today? Well, a lot. And American Marketing Association Chicago actually asked me to moderate a panel on trends for 2022 at the end of February. So I did. And in order to moderate the panel, I did a ton of research. And then I also did a presentation for the International Trade Commission, which is an agency of the World Trade Organization in the UN about trends for e-commerce. So I feel like I'm maybe not quite totally up to speed on trends because as soon as you know them, they do change. change. But here's what I'm seeing. TikTok is taking over the world and whether or not you're on TikTok, it doesn't really matter. And the reason is because TikTok is formulated to go in and really make our brains feel good. And so whether you like it or not, that's what TikTok is doing. So what I said when TikTok came out is get ready for communication to change. And so we've seen that. We've seen how Facebook has had reels, Instagram has reels, LinkedIn has some video. It's mostly about conversations over in LinkedIn, but really think about how video has really changed our lives. And there were all these thoughts about how we're going to consume so much more video. There were statistics, oh, maybe like five, six years ago, and I didn't believe it, but I do now. So TikTok is number one. The next thing is collaboration and community. And we're seeing people forming groups around influencers, around topics. And so people are really following columns and leaders of thought like never before. So that's another one. And another one, I'll just give you three, is audio. And we're looking at how audio is really evolving. If you want to know more about these, I did write an article for AMA Chicago, and it'll be on my site too. But I do go into each one of these three trends. And if you haven't started a podcast, it's not too late. You can start still be on podcasts, but just look for audio to evolve. So those are the top three. Well, it's interesting. And TikTok, when I have time, I'm sitting around for five minutes, I'll watch some TikTok videos. It's easy to go down that rabbit hole. And oh, start, oh, yeah. Five minutes is 50 minutes. You're like, what? Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. But I was looking for that business application. What you're saying is we're starting to see more of that and why it works and why it's so popular, I believe, is just the way our brains work. And you touched on that as all around images. And I think in some of the things you've written about on your website, you talk about the imaging and the video and why that's important, how our brains work. So I could see where that has a major impact. Now, when you talked about growth as well in 2020, I know from e-commerce, and again, I got this from doing some homework on things you've written about, you say that in 10 years, we've had 10 years worth of growth in 2020 in like three months. It happened right. that fast, all because of obviously the pandemic, we're staying at home. Right. Do you see that trend continuing? I don't see it continuing, but I do feel like it's possible. We're not on that fast pace that we were before, but look at how much has changed in our lives, our technology, and just the way we approach everyday life because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's not going to go back. And I think what happened is it really forced us to get into change very quickly, very fast. And so people just learned how to shift things around and do things differently. So relationships changed, the way we do business changed. And if businesses don't pick up and get in line with what's 
happening, they're going to be lost. And I've been talking about why you need to change for years. And people are like, okay, we'll get to it. We get to it. Can't do that anymore. Now you have to really be there so people can find you right away. And you have to be in the game. It's no longer okay to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else run. You have to play. Well, it's interesting, and, and that's a great insight. It's interesting to see how the different platforms all have different types of audiences. And we had a podcast episode while back on the multi-generational workforce, and you've got mm-hmm. five generations at work, and they all consume their information differently. So I'm a baby boomer. I might go on Facebook. Then the millennials started moving to Instagram. LinkedIn mm-hmm. is one now. And I know you're big on LinkedIn as well. I know you do a lot of corporate training and speaking around mm-hmm. LinkedIn and are quite an authority and expert on that one. I like that one because it makes sense to me. That's where my audience is. Is it a matter of going to your audience and staying platform appropriate to that audience or do we need to be on all of them? Well, it depends on the business. I think there's nothing more exhausting than trying to be everywhere all at once, whether it's on social media or in life. You just can't right, do right, it. Right. So what you really need to find out is where are your people and go where your people are and stay with them. Now, that doesn't mean you can't visit other places. I think companies, and I saw this trend when YouTube first started getting hot, companies were saying, oh, we want to look more modern. We want to look more with it. We're going to be on YouTube. So try it. And then if you don't do it right, people know. And that's one thing we're experiencing now is people are critics and they're pretty good. I mean, they know what good graphics are. They know what a good video is because they're consumers and they're connoisseurs. So it's very dangerous to go out and say, I want to be everywhere all at once. You really need to figure out where your people are, have messaging that resonates with them. And if you do want to go to other channels, you can find someone who already has the audience, an influencer. And even if you're in financial services, you'll find somebody there. There are influencers everywhere. And I feel like that would be the easiest route to go because it's hard to build up an outpost or a new territory or a new platform all on your own. You've got to tend to it. And if you don't want to do that or have the resources, then it's all going to fall apart. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Barbara Rizgoni. Is it important to stay consistent with our message across all of these platforms, or does each platform have its own unique characteristics that we should be tailoring our message to? Well, yes, you want to be consistent, but not identical. So for example, when we do content strategy for our clients, what we do is we look at what is, it's kind of like the accent or the dialect for each different platform. So for instance, on Hmm. Twitter, you're not going to write a really long article because you can't. So Twitter is different versus LinkedIn, where you can write an article and then Facebook, YouTube. One thing to keep consistent, though, is what 
is your SEO. So what are your search words? What are your hashtags? Those should be consistent. And then just keep in mind that even maybe your writing style might be different for each platform. Some of them are going to be shorter. Others, you might want to be longer and you might even want to have a different type of editing tool or editing approach. And then also video. Some platforms love video more than others. LinkedIn is supposedly not that happy with video. They'd rather have text only, but a good video is worth a thousand words, right? Or right. a million. <laughs> well, and they all seem to be adapting. Like I'm seeing a lot of changes with Twitter. They're all starting to add these features because people want it. It's like Elon Musk wanted to go buy Twitter and make changes because he believes it's going to be the catch-all of all platforms. So what's your feel about that? Well, he says a lot of things. <laughs> He's very opinionated. And I think what he demonstrates, though, is the power of Twitter. When Twitter came around, and I've been on Twitter since 2007, and and at the time I said, oh, I think Twitter could really make some major changes in the world. And people were like, on 120 characters, how could that work? Well, we can <laughs> we see know. stock prices go up and down. Right. It's not the typical place that B2B companies run to and say, hey, we're going to be on Twitter. Although some of them that are there do very, very well. But it's the place to get news. Things are in the moment. People say whatever they want. And I'll just tell you this, behind the scenes with social media people who are professionals, there's not a lot of just a lot of great, clear vision about what's going to happen with Twitter, but we all love Twitter in our hearts. So right. we'll see what happens. See what it. happens. Now for managing yeah. all the posts and all the content, there's a number of different services and platforms. You have Hootsuite, there's Loomly, whether you're enterprise or small business. For the small business owner, entrepreneur, a lot of our mm -hmm. listener bases are one that you recommend or a process, you use the Google Sheets. How would you do it? Well, I think Buffer is a great scheduling tool for a small business. It's very affordable. The best thing you can do is be organized and you can write a month's worth of updates in a couple of hours if you don't have great detail. For some of our clients, we've done 100 different updates a month on different platforms. And I did a, a mathematical calculation and it turned out that we're spending about 40 minutes to an hour for every one of those, which adds up to an incredible amount of time. And I thought this can't be right, but it was because we had to write each one of the updates then the client reviewed them. Then we worked in the images and they went back for review again. Then they were scheduled, double checked to make sure they were in an Excel sheet to make sure that the timing was right. Then they had to be transferred into the scheduling tool, checked again, and then they were finally released. And for some companies, you actually have to add another layer, which is legal review, which can slow things down even more. So the easiest way to start is look at what are your major events throughout the year? It could be holidays. It could be company anniversaries. It could be product launches. Maybe it is something like tax season. But what are the big milestones around your marketing and around your promotions. Put those in first and then work around them. The other thing that's important to do is look at the different types of clients you're trying to reach. So are they prospects? Are they current clients? Are they the media, the community? You do a lot of community work. You want to make sure that you work that in as well. It sounds like it could be overwhelming and it can be, but if you're really organized about it, then it shows and your consistency shows. And it's just, it's relaxing actually when you have it sure, all done. Sure. You know that it's handled, your clients are looking forward to it and it really builds the business. And one other thing, well, actually two, 
build in time for listening. So see what people are talking about and then also responding. Mm, that's a good because, tip. Yeah. On LinkedIn, people get so carried away. Like, what am I going to post? What am I going to post? You could even probably forget about posting for a couple of weeks. And if you went and replied on three important conversations every day, you'd have much better results because then you want to go where the conversation is. You want to go where people can really see you. And if you have a good comment, you will stand out. So what you're doing is you're kind of dropping in other places and giving yourself visibility that you can't get any other well. Oh, that's a great insight. Else. Yeah, really good insight. Yeah, I find there's a day, like Monday, we do all our content for the week. And it's all scheduled, mm -hmm. so I don't have to worry about it Tuesday through Friday. For instance, on our podcast, we will feature you every day on our social media channels. Now, is there a time or number of posts that are ideal? Like we see things where some of the experts and influencers say you got to do three posts a day on LinkedIn. Twitter's between nine and 11. LinkedIn's between 7.30 and 9. A lot of people check their social media at nighttime. Seven o'clock to nine are big times. Have you found that there's a difference there or one more important than another? I think it all depends. People ask me this question all the time. I have slides that tell you what studies have shown. So I'd be happy to show you the slides, but sure. I think it really depends on your audience. And I will just say for any communication, if you're the first thing people see in the morning, whether it's an email or a social media update, that's great. And it gives you an edge because you can start seeing how things perform. Now on LinkedIn, we know that the first hour after your post is posted is the most important, but I think it's like 60 to 90 minutes. So the types of interactions you get then are what's going to fuel the visibility and the right. viral ability, the engagement. You know? sure. so that's really what we're looking at. So if you put it up, let's say you like to work out in the morning at the gym, let's say five o'clock. So you decided to do your updates at 4.30 a.m. You're probably not going to get that much visibility. Right. It's having those insights that make all the difference. And I think if you tell people that you're going to post at a certain time, I haven't seen people do this, but I think it could work out really well. If you say, we're going to get together, everybody come over with your coffee at 7.30 in the morning and tell me what you're working on and you tag people, I think you could have a really great conversation. You can do that on Twitter if you want to do that with audio. And on LinkedIn, you could try it. I have all these ideas that I'd like to try. Let's talk about your framework, Wired PR and 4D. You've been doing that one for a while. That one's been out there since I think you started that in 07. Yeah, the Wired PR Works came out in 07 and I just felt like I'm doing all this marketing. The only thing that really works is Wired PR. That's the only thing. And I didn't even have the acronym at that point, but I decided I would be Wired PR Works, which is kind of, it wasn't my intention to be a digital brand at that point, but that's right. what it turned out to be. And then I thought, well, I need some pillars and I need a framework. So Wired is words and words are super important, especially on LinkedIn. It's all about conversation. What are your intentions? So why are you here? And ask yourself, why are you doing this? It's not just because you think you're supposed to, but right. what is the for intention? And intent means to stretch and grow. So what is your intention there? And then routes, what routes are you going to follow? Is it going to be social media? Is it going to be direct marketing? Is it going to be, I don't know, it could even be public speeches. What routes are you going to use? Then experience. I came up with experiences long before they were talking about customer experiences, but right. that's really what it is. What is the customer experience? And when I first came up with this, I had all these pictures from Paris because I'd been to Paris. And so under experience, you've got the oldest cobblestone street in Paris. And I'm like, think of all the people who have walked down this street and their experience. Jean Beljean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> right. then the last part is D is design. And I did a keynote for 500 people and I was out in the lobby and somebody came up to me and they said, what is design? How do you design? And I thought, you know what? 
I'm going to figure that out. So it's 4D, which is digital direct dynamic. And then I added data was 3D. And then I did four because digital is your digital DNA. How do people find you? Direct is how do you communicate with people? Dynamic is your storytelling. How fizzy are you? And then data, how do you measure it? And then of course the whole, like if you had an egg and you had the two different pieces, the P and the R, that's personality and reputation. So that's really the sphere that holds everything together. What is your personality? What's your client's personality? And then what is your reputation? And what kind of reputation do they want to have? And how can you help them get there. Well, it's a great acronym and a great model. And let's unpack some of the elements of that framework because I think they're appropriate and get a little more detail. So wired, we talk about words and the importance of words and you talk Mm -hmm. about choosing them wisely. And I know perennial is one of your favorites. Yes. Well, you've really done your research. I love this. I'll tell you. You get an A++++. Oh, well, good. Thank you. I never got that (laughs) in school. So I think that's my first one. It's good. But I love words, the way we frame the word or the way we Mm -hmm. include the word. It's like becoming preferred. You know, when we came out with that, the book was originally strategic selling and then extreme selling. And I remember meeting with my coach and we went through an exercise and he goes, well, what's the benefit if we go through this? I said, well, you'll become preferred. And he goes, excuse me, you'll become preferred. And we kept that. And now if you Google becoming preferred, we own that word, that phrase. Nobody else has that, but it's using the words. And I believe words have power. If we say, I love you, it means something. If I say, I hate you, wars have been started over words. So we got to be very careful. You talk about curating the words and Mm -hmm. storing them up. Are there some words that should be there? Some words that shouldn't be? Well, it really depends on the client. Now you're taking me back to my writing career because that's really how I started was becoming a writer. I went to the Independent Writers of Chicago and I applied to be a professional writer. And they said, do you have any samples? And I said, well, not really. Just write something up. We'll let you in. And I was so honored to be part of their group. And they really pushed me to the front and really helped me become a better writer. But the best job I ever had as a writer was at Sears, where I was writing for 300,000 people. And it was like, whoa, it was a big job. And then when I had to write for the CEO, who was a very eloquent man, it was was empowering and it was also terrifying. So what I learned is that there are a lot of different ways you can go with words. And if you can be conversational and open, I think that's great. I think we've moved that way naturally, but there have been times like with Twitter, it forced us to really compact our thoughts and like a little tiny Ziploc bag, maybe even just the snack side. <laughs> teeny right. tiny. And I think actually, if you want to look at what's the most important kind of words you can write, it's the headline because there are two things people really look at on the internet and that's the headline and the photo. So if you can get really good at writing headlines or lead in on LinkedIn, you have a certain space where people read the lead in. So if you can ask a question or if you can have some kind of provocative thought or entertaining, then that's really what's going to get people engaged. And of course, emotion is really important too. You don't want to have something that's really dry and boring. It's got to have some emotion too. Yeah, it seems like there's a casual approach these days. Like when you write at different levels, like most people, I know they get about 3000 words and they stop learning and enhancing their vocabulary. And that's grade eight level or eighth grade. And if we read a lot and your point, listen, listen with our eyes even and look at how other people are using words and how are they applying them? 
you can really enhance your vocabulary. And then obviously it attracts different readers at different levels. Exactly. Yeah. And storytelling helps out a lot too. Even if you have a small capsule story, I like CPR, which is challenge process result, Mm -hmm. which is super easy. What was the challenge? What was the process? And then what was the result? And of course the client is always the hero or the story. So even something... Yeah, the hero's journey, even something simple like that gets attention. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people have on LinkedIn or anywhere is when they're selling their business, they talk about, we do this, we do that. And they start with how many years they've been in business. And I really don't care. And I don't think anybody else does either. What they want to know is how do you solve my problem? Why are you different? How can you help me? And you can even talk about how they're going to feel. But I just love a really well-written piece of work. It's sure. Just, no, it makes really sense. Fun. You're like, wow, that's so good. And other people like that too. So the better you can be at your writing, the better results you're going to have. Well, and I think you're right. Storytelling, I think, is everything. That hero's journey is a good model. Every TV show, every movie, every book, there's the storyline. And we use the example of Star Wars. Skywalker, Luke is out there. His family gets wiped out. Darth Vader is now causing trouble. In walks Obi-Wan Kenobi and then helps guide, if you will. So the hero of the story is the client, the customer. And our job is just to guide them. So I think that's huge in storytelling and very powerful. So I like that acronym. That's a good acronym. Let's go to intention now. And this was an important one for me because not everything I do is intentional. And I'm trying to work on that. Once I read this in your work, I thought, all right, what's the feeling? What do I want to feel when I do this? And why am I doing it? What's my intention, right? Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and the feelings and why that's important. That's really good. I hadn't thought about the feelings so much, but that is really what you want to tune into. So I feel like there's so much going on in our world that it's hard to really focus on even like what feels good, you know, turn off the news number one, (laughs) which we have done in our house. I don't know. My husband's super happy about it. You can read the headlines if you want or watch on your own, but where do you want to go in this life, you know, and why do you want to get there? One of the little things I do on Fridays is I do Friday flowers on LinkedIn, which hardly anybody likes. I don't know if people see, but my intention is to bring a bit of beauty to people's lives. And it's also to show people that I like to take pictures and I love flowers. And I feel like the flower that I took a picture of, it's probably not around by the time they see it. Flowers aren't here very long. So I feel like you need to figure out why are you doing that? Even if it seems like something that you don't even get why you're doing it. But in business, especially the B2B world, the decisions that people make to buy your goods and services are very emotional. Right. Like with software, think about that. If they're going to be changing systems, if you say you're changing software systems, you kind of create a revolt and also a mental health issue for everyone because it's like, what? So why are you there? What are you trying to help people do? And maybe it comes down to that is how are you really trying to help people? And you take yourself out of the picture and it's like, how? am I going to help people evolve, grow forward, change, and be a better business or a better person? Yeah. So that's really what attention is about. For yeah. Me. And it's adding that purpose to it, what you're doing. And I think it works really well on your personal life as well, because if we start looking at every move that we make intentionally, what you mm-hmm. eat, why are you exercising? Is it for you or is it for someone else? Why do you buy this car? Why do you buy that piece of jewelry? It's all about that. What are you getting out of it? Right. And I think it makes sense. Your audience What are they getting out of it and how do we help them? And things can evolve that way. I love that whole bit about intention and you go into a lot of detail in your podcast as well. Let's talk about roots. You use the example or the analogy or metaphor using GPS. We all know how to use Google Maps. We go from A to B. It plans it out Mm -hmm. for us, offers us a couple of alternative routes. And so when it comes to marketing, we have to determine what those roots are to our audience. Is that how you 
mean to apply that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways to reach people. And even back before we had social media, I would think about what's the easiest way to reach people? Where can we find them? And at some point it was on the other side of the phone or at their business. And now it's like, where do they spend time online? What associations do they belong to? Where do they really focus? And so you really want to know how to reach them. And one of the sneaky paths or undiscovered roots is public relations. And one of the things I do for our clients is I do digital PR, which doesn't really go to the media. We can do that if we want to, but if we want to be on Google news within three or four hours for maybe sometimes even only one for a desired search term that can be done immediately. And then you can say, look at the news. If you're a speaker, it's fantastic because I build that in to my speaker contracts. I can do digital PR for you and promote your conference. And then when people search for the conference under news, guess who pops up? That's brilliant. You know? That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank well, you. No, I've always believed in PR is even better than marketing. I know it's a subset of marketing, but it's more powerful than marketing because people tend to trust the PR more than they do the marketing. Well, that's it. And if you can get friendly with some media people, whether it's somebody who's an, an, an influencer or media, and just let them know that you're out there and that you have opinions right. you want to share, then that's a way that you get attention that no one else has even thought about. So I feel like that's one of the sneaky paths, but good, it really comes- good sneaky. Yeah, yeah, it's good sneaky. Yeah. And so you really need to think about where do I want to spend my time and my focus? And I know with companies, it's like, what's my social media team going to look like? And there's a lot of turnover with social media. It's just a lot of money out there for people who do well with it. And people are changing jobs and doing different things. So for your social media people that you have, treat them really, really well. Understand that they do have mental health challenges. I think 70% of all social media people have wanted to quit because it's a lot. You know, and don't forget your customer experience, folks. So when you really look at what routes are you going to go to, although you want the GPS to be the fastest, clearest way, you don't want to get in the traffic jams. What you do want to understand is you might come up against them and how are you going to overcome them? Right. Well, and experience is your last letter there in your acronym. And I think it's all about the experience. I think experience Mm -hmm. eclipses the service. So if everything's equal, the services are equal, prices are equal, the experience will win the day. And so what's that customer journey? Yeah. How do you craft it? My parents were British. They were immigrants and they weren't the best at parenting. They grew up in the wartime. They didn't have very good role models either, but they did create experiences. I remember one time we sailed from Vancouver to New Zealand in a month. And Christmas on a beach, you know, (laughs) just different experiences. And I remember the experiences and maybe some of the lessons. And so they taught me what to do and what not to do by their example. But I always love the experiences. So with our own families and with our clients, we try and create great experiences for them. So you have to map out that journey and identify the touch points. Where are we touching Mm -hmm. them? Do we want to do something here? Do we want to level this up? Or do we want to ignore it? And if we ignore it, we do it on purpose, not because we have neglected it. And right. so I think experience is real important and you do address that. So love the acronym for WIRED. Now, when you talk about the design, let's just unpack a little bit of that. So we've got digital profiles and you call it digital DNA. So that's about staying consistent with the underlying message across all platforms, right? It is. And it's also checking to make sure how you look, especially for Mm. people, because if you haven't Googled yourself lately, and I know you hear this, I hear it all the time, Google yourself. I'm like, I say that too, but you know, it's interesting to see what pops up. And so that's important. And also you can look at how you can change that profile and add new dimensions or maybe stretch one out in another area. Mm, So for mm -hmm. example, if you're on LinkedIn and you don't have any articles, people go and check activity. So if you have nothing under activity, 
that's not good. You want to have featured, you could have an article, you could have a video, whatever, but think about how you really want to change those facets and which ones you want to turn up. So the, the most brilliant ones are the ones people see. Makes sense. Just as a side note to that, is there a magic number as far as number of articles on LinkedIn and how often? Yeah, I would say set the articles aside and start a newsletter, which is advice from myself because I already have the name of the newsletter in the articles and I just need to plug it in. Right. So probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be up and running. But I would say have a newsletter and once a week would be great. When I did LinkedIn articles, I don't know how old my oldest one is, but I was one of the first people on LinkedIn writing articles and I got 5,000 views and all these comments. I was like the only one who wrote an article for Women's Day, I think. And I was like, where are all these people coming from? So the game has changed a lot. But the thing is, not that many people are consistent. So I guess we're back to just being consistent and also kind of training yourself and your audience and your community to really know what's coming. Right. Or you can be consistent and say, hey, every week we're going to do our newsletter. And you can have a bunch of stuff in it. It doesn't just have to be one article. You can have other things. You can have specials, whatever. But yeah. Great insight. Direct response or direct customer journey is number two. So you talk about awareness, consideration, the purchase mm -hmm. and review, their website, all of that. Anything you want to give us on that one when it comes to direct customer journey? Yeah, I think it should be as personalized as possible, keeping in mind that I know it's really hard, but now we have all these AI tools that can help you. You can tell if somebody says, dear Michael, and everybody gets the same thing, but as personalized as you can be would be great. And never, ever, ever send those canned messages on LinkedIn, because here's what I do when I get one. I look and see if the person has posted anything and how active they are. And most of the time, it looks like they're a ghost. I know they're not, but they've done nothing. Right. And so they'll say they want to offer me free coaching or not free ever. I'm sure there's a price. But sure. anyway, they'll offer something and I'll type back, thanks. I don't really need help with that, but I'd sure love to help you with your LinkedIn marketing. <laughs> they don't get back to me. Why is that? But anyway, you just want to really have a personable approach. And if you have a sales team, then you definitely want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. You don't want to have renegades out there who are doing automated or people who are doing things that aren't really consistent with the brand. And you do that as well, don't you? Part of your work in your consulting work, you'll go in and train teams, make sure that there's a consistent yep. message, make sure they're staying within the boundaries of the organization and legally, and then reaching out to customers with a consistent set of messaging and protocols, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. It's so important. And it really differentiates you from the other competitors too. So sure. it's important. Now, dynamic content, you talk about consistent clarity, connections, the more connections, mm -hmm. the better, the more authentic connections, the better. And mm -hmm. are there things we should be paying attention to there when it comes to the clarity and the type of the messaging, or does that still fit within that personalization? Well, that kind of, yeah, it fits in the personalization. And really what I'm thinking here is how do you get the emotion, the color into your story, into your communication. So what makes you different? And it could even be something as simple as what kind of images are you using? Mm -hmm. Don't ever use stock images. I mean, so many companies do that. And I'm like, there's got to be people in there somewhere because you look at it and you're like, that looks like it's from a stock photo place. You talk about not. using your own photography and that's yeah. part of what you do and using your own photos and cropping using the latest iPhones or Androids. Yeah, yeah. The technology is amazing. So use your own art. Exactly. Yeah. Don't buy somebody else. No, it's interesting you say that. Our home is decorated with my wife's art. We go and we travel. We don't have a picture that we purchased. She treats them and there are pictures. And uh, so I, that's actually a really good insight there. I mean, it's bad if you're a stock image company, but maybe get some inspiration that way. People want to see authentic 
messages or read them or listen to them and they want to see authentic pictures, things that really happened. So I think yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's it. Yeah. Even if you use Canva, they have all kinds of stock images. Just stop and upload your own and then you can drop yours in over there. So. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Now, number four was data point. So you talk about decide, measure and grow and not to get sucked into vanity metrics. Oh, I got this many likes. And I think you talked about that earlier. It's really not about the number of likes. It's how many people converted. How many people, how many meetings did you get? How many briefings did you get? How many people actually purchased the widget? Talk about the importance of data and what we should be focused on. Yeah, that's a great question because I feel like there's so many data points you can measure. It's really mind boggling. And we've had clients that we report on their successes and areas they need to work on. One of them wanted us to meet with them every single week, which I felt like was a little much. But on the other hand, we really fine-tuned the approach every single week, which was really exciting. So what you really want to do is you want to focus on what is important to you. And let's just use LinkedIn. If you want to look at the number of followers, to me, that would be an important metric to watch on LinkedIn. Because if you've got a company page and more people are following you, that's really great. You want to look for comments, shares. And you know when those people comment and they have a good comment, if you haven't connected with them yet and you're in sales, you can say, loved your comment, would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. So it really gives you a feel for who's out there, who's watching and it's all public. So use that information and don't get caught up in, oh, we had this many likes. So just really focus on what's meaningful to you. And maybe it's even so narrowed down that you want to see how many people from a certain company like your posts. Sure. Well, we always say smaller the niche, bigger the market. So if you drill it down and go after a smaller audience or tribe, you're going to be more relevant to that particular audience, right? Exactly. Yeah. Good point. So you've got a podcast, Growing Social, and now with Barbara Rosgoni, they can find you at all their favorite podcast sites and platforms. Mm -hmm. And I know you interview people from within your peer group, your network, and lots of good mm -hmm. advice and information there. We're going to have all your contact information in our show notes, so they'll be able to connect with you. And I believe you offer 30-minute consults for folks who want to improve their social presence, the reputations, what things look like for them on the internet and in the social media platforms. Anything else you'd like to add? I just like to encourage everyone to understand that you have more power than anyone's ever had at this moment in history. Your platform is your platform, whether you're a business or you're a person, or maybe you represent a community, but it's all out there for you to connect with people, to share your words, your intentions through the routes that you both travel you can really build on your client's experience and design something that's beautiful that will change the world. Barbara, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing time with us. You've been very kind and gracious sharing some of your key formulas with us. Again, we'll have everything in the show notes and we'd encourage folks who want to improve their social presence and grow socially, check out your podcast. They can get it on your website and they'll get that information in the show notes as well. So thanks, Barbara. Thanks for being part of the show. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.